0: Hey, what's going on, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Awaken Life Podcast. Today is a special day because I have a special guest. Julie Murphy is a good friend of mine, and she also happens to be a finance slash abundant slash money master. And a while back, I had an episode about money and spirituality on the podcast. And it's essentially shed light onto the different limiting beliefs a lot of spiritual people tend to have about money that unfortunately keeps them from living the life of abundance and freedom that they certainly could. Um, so this episode, I wanted to bring on an expert in this field and sort of just pick her brain, my good friend, Julie Murphy, and she's going to help you help me help us, um, learn how to use our higher consciousness for the purpose of manifesting more money, which money, of course, is simply a vehicle to freedom, the ability to, to live the type of life that is surrounded and a reflection of our true heart's preferences, and I've already filmed the podcast with Julie. It came out phenomenal. She gave she dropped a whole bunch of gold in her laps, no pun intended. And I cannot wait to get into the podcast. Welcome, Julie. In fact, I want to open up with a quick story to kind of exemplify what Julie does, and then we can go from there. Does that sound good?
1: Perfect. Sounds great.
0: <laughs> all right. So you probably remember this, Julie. We were all hanging out in Costa Rica around that one table. Yeah. You, me, we were. And, and Aaron Dowdy. And you were sort of like questioning us. And me and Aaron, we are we have a business called the Full Time Purpose. And Julie could already sort of psychically detect that we are very different. We have very different beliefs and different whole different mindset about money. And you asked, you asked a question, it was, it was about uh, um, Bitcoin or something, investing in Bitcoin. And she said, Aaron, how much, how much do you think you should invest in Bitcoin based on your earnings? And he said some crazy number, like 70%. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I think Julie even noticed my whole body contract. And then (laughs) And it's like, Victor, how about you? And I was like, "Eh," you know, five, 10%. I forgot the exact (laughs) figures, but you were like, but you went on to explain that we all have kind of like a internal bandwidth of what's comfortable. And while we could probably stretch that a little bit over time, it's important to operate within your natural bandwidth. Otherwise the results are not going to be good. So
1: right. Because you matter. That's the piece. Yeah.
0: So that was so helpful. Just you brought a new dimension of awareness to my relationship with money in general. So, Mm. so that's I think for the folks just getting to know you, that's kind of a cool. I've told that story before, and people are Mm. like, "Wow, I gotta, I gotta (laughs) meet her." So
1: yeah, you know, it's fascinating to me to witness. You know, I always say that I'm bringing humanity back into finance. Uh, Many of the people in the financial left brain, linear, logical. Forget the human heart and who you are along the way. That's the biggest challenge. Yeah,
0: yeah. definitely. Definitely. Now, let me ask you, Julia, how did how did you come into this? How did you start doing this?
1: As <laughs> yeah. A career?
0: Well,
1: yeah, you know, so I'm the second oldest of 12 children and I wow. decided to, money was my way out of where I came from. And so I, I then, you know, would become a salesperson. And then I decided like, why would I want to go work for these big corporations when I got out of college? And I decided, well, why not? And, uh, mac and cheese. Well, that wasn't happening. Um, <laughs> and so, um, then as I started to get into the industry, if you know anyone, uh, you walk into a bank, it's very stuffy. They have mahogany desks. And, and I was always told that you had to wear the blue suit, you know, when I first got in finance, and I'm like going, yeah, I'm not a blue suit and I don't have a mahogany desk. And so that's when that it led me to, wow. After about eight years of being in the industry, I decided to, uh, purchase a loft space that was the exposed brick place in Chicago where I run my business. And, um, and I decided that what I always call, let my freak flag fly, yes. um, being authentically who I am. And, um, I just step out and be our authentic selves in whatever it is that we do for a living. Um, It's interesting on how the universe tests us in terms of, I'll never forget this woman who walked into my office and she would have been the biggest client I would have had at that time. And she had about $2 million. And because I didn't have a mahogany desk and I didn't look like a traditional firm, she actually opted not to do business with me. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I made a mistake. And I was just like, but my insides were just... In 2003, when I decided to hang up my blue suits, like I don't even own a suit today uh, in business. And um, that's not normal for a finance person. And then it led me to writing my first book called The Emotion Behind Money, uh, because I started to realize that most of us make our money decisions not from our left brain logical, but from our emotions and our reactions that are based on the homes and the communities that we grew up in. And that's like your basis for how you're trying to interface and do this dance with money throughout your life until you decide to start to interrupt um, that process, because that may or may not be the direction that you really want to be going financially in your world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You're, You're right, Julie. I've found, especially with my wife and I, as a good example, that it can work for you or against you. Very my, much so. my yeah, Patty grew up with a very successful uh, business father. He you know millionaire guy, and she just in her mindset is we're always taken care of, we're always good. She <laughs> never ever worries about money, and we've had some hard times. She's like, oh, we're good. And me, my my parents were both uh, they did like okay, but they lived paycheck to paycheck, and they always they always purchased beyond their means, and consequently, we're always stressed out. And and I'm like that big time to this very day. Even now yeah. that we're more successful, I still feel that way. So right. that works against me. So,
1: yeah, well, and here's the thing um, we all are seeking happiness. So, um, like, I would call what your parents are doing called spending hangovers. Like, the, um, for some reason, and many of us do this, that we're trying to find this internal clock of happiness. And so um, I always say we either work things out or we act it out, and we do it through our money, through our health, or through our relationships. And what I've noticed is that when we're doing like the spending piece, you know, and then all of a sudden you get that under wraps and you start to pay down your credit card debt and you're not overspending. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, you got some marriage issues that start coming up, you know? And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. So so the emotions that are unresolved on the money then just move over here to your relationships. And then if you get those two stabilized, then it moves over to your health and it starts to affect your health internally. So I've built this whole infrastructure um, to where I have these professionals that work in these other areas of people's lives because um, it's gonna either work its way out or act it out in one of those three areas. And we need to, and this is where, like the work you do, Victor, in helping people to find their spiritual centers because that's the most important component to all of it because the money and your health and your relationships are just the result of what's actually going on in the inside of you.
0: Interesting, so let me ask you this, Julie, because that is exactly what I go through. When I'm, when I'm not stressed about money, I start <laughs> worrying about the kids. When I'm not worrying about the kids, it's, it's, it's like there's three things right. I constantly cycle through. Right. So right. Are, are, would you say there are like separate core issues for each category or is it like just overall some sort of core wound that splinters off depending on what you're focused on?
1: Well, so it's the core wound, right? So let me give you an example. Um, I had this one client. She's like, Joel, I am so far behind in my retirement planning. You don't need to tell me how far behind I am. I just know I am. So let's just do the best with what I got. So then I started to do just a consulting appointment with her because a lot of financial professionals want to run you through all these reports and all this stuff. And really, that's just too much for most Americans because it's like, well, you know what? I don't necessarily need to know that. I already know I'm screwing it up. So let me just get to the best path. And, um, so this woman came in and she had like $44,000 of credit card debt. She made a six figure income. And, um, and we got her credit card debt under wraps after a year. Um, what happened was, is she wound up like with $8,000 credit card debt, but then she walked in and she got real fat. And I was like, Mm. Ooh, she put on some pounds. I'm like, how you doing? You know, I know from writing the emotion behind money, I'm like going, Oh, so her, she was spending to create her happiness. That's what created the credit card debt. And then she stopped paying. She was proactively pulling the credit card debt down and now she's gaining weight. And so then we addressed it. She's like, Oh no, I decided I'm going to run an Ironman, man and I'm going to do this. And the next year she came in for her financial checkup. She pulled all the weight off. but Her credit card debt was back up to $36,000. And I was like, So can you tell me about what your dreams are? Like, and she goes, well, you know, Joel. And then I saw tears start to come into her eyes. And I go, what? And she goes, I always wanted to be a mom. And she goes, but that ship has sailed. And I go, what do you mean? You're only 47. You know, I'm like, what ship has sailed? And she goes, really, Julie? And I go, hey, you could get a surrogate. You could adopt. You could, like, there's lots of options out there. I go, if this is that important to you, like let's shine the light on it and let's like see what happens here. And what she did is um, she's like, you're nuts. Like I'm 47. Are you? Cr-? And she was divorced, you know, her marriage, she divorced the narcissist, right? And she never got married again. And what, what started to, what she realized in this process and going with me is that she not only had the narcissist in her marriage that she left, but her boss at work was one. So we, as we're vibrationally plugging into the world, we're gonna create the same scenarios in all areas of our lives. And so then what happens is that um, as we started, to, uh, she then decided to uh, have some foster kids. That's where she actually decided. And she's now um, 56 and she has adopted two foster kids. And, um, she's had them for about seven years now. And I'm telling you, then she turned around, she quit the job that she had that was underpaying her and totally like taking advantage of her. She's doubled her income. So when she found that core wound was that she was not enough and that she wasn't deserving. And then once she addressed like what her pain point was and started to fill that in and decided like, oh, that's really, truly what makes me happy but she was breaking all these barriers. Her parents were from Ireland and she adopted two African-American babies. Like talk about breaking limiting beliefs, right? So she now not only has children, but then all the judgment because it was interracial, right? And she just broke through it all. And she's thriving today. She's absolutely thriving. And she hasn't had credit card debt in years. And she hasn't gained any weight. She's totally healthy and fit because she addressed what was going on and what wasn't really creating true happiness for her.
0: Wow. Beautiful. I think this is one of those scenarios, Julie, where like people will hear it and it's like so obvious, but I, I don't ever think <laughs> like this. Like you're right. This is all, this is ringing a lot of light bulbs for me. Um, so right. let me ask you. So it sounds like uh, I, I, I'm imagining my, my listeners thinking, okay, yes, yes, that's me. And it sounded like one of your strategies, one of the first things you suggested was what are your dreams? What, what's like, what yeah. do you want to do? Is it's that like a, a great place important. to start?
1: Well, so in my second book called Awaken Your Wealth, I actually map out the process that I walk life through this. So the first step in the process, which is the most important, is picturing the life that you want to create. And what always happens, that's the dreaming piece. Whatever happens, like people will start to do the dream and they go, but, but like we negotiate ourselves away. So like, if you're starting to try to focus on that dream, Can you just leave it up to the universe to work out the logistics and just, just put it down to paper, whatever the dream is. I don't care how obnoxious it is because you have no idea how that's going to show up in your life, but that is the cornerstone and the vibration that is the catalyst for creating exactly what you want tomorrow. And without the dreaming process, you're going to stay in the rat race of life. You are going to stay on that treadmill and you are never going to get off because you're going to create suffering pattern after suffering pattern, after suffering pattern. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time.
0: Yeah. Right, right on. So I know, I know for me, Julie, when I start to have a, a big goal or a big vision, especially when it really resonates, I yeah. find that to be a catalyst for awareness being shed onto all my issues that are sort of blocking that reality from already being right. how things are. Is that kind of like one of the next things that pe- people can expect once you
1: dial in your vision? Yeah. So I always talk about that. There's, there's you in the present moment in the now, and we all know that that's really all we have, right? Anyone who's on the spiritual path, like only have here and now, but then there's the past, which is like that stuff. It could be physiological past because on a cellular level, you're vibrating in what created your current reality, right? So we have to clean up our past while we're living in the present moment, then that creates the future and you have to work on those simultaneously. So let's take it from a money perspective. If a person has created debt, so what does debt do? Debt, all it does is create a lack of freedom in the present moment because you are taking your current cash flow to pay for all your past choices. So it's much harder to live in the now, right? Because you're stuck in your rat race over here. And people are like, but Jewel, I had to buy the car. Jewel, I had to send my kids to college and I have student loan debt now. Jewel, no, you no one has to do anything. It's about conscious choices and saying, do how trapped, I had some, one woman say to me, she goes, I sold my home in Seattle and I bought my freedom. And that says a lot because she had a $6,000 a month house payment. And now for the last, let's see, when she was 57 years old, she sold it. And since then, she's almost 70 now, she spends three months of the year in Seattle, three months of the year in Chicago with her family, three months a year in Arizona, and three months in London at her friend's house. Nice. And she has just spent that time being an adventurer when everyone else is getting ready for the rocker who's almost 70 years old and just stay in their house. And she's on adventure after adventure and she's thriving and her health is great. So we have to realize like The debt piece is really, really heavy, like energetically heavy for people. And I'm not saying go and sell your house tomorrow. And I'm not saying make these drastic changes, but things like if you paid off your car, how how do you switch the system? So if you pay off your car, it's time for you to become your own bank. So there are these online savings accounts that I love because you can name your financial intention so whatever it is that you have is a desired outcome. So for example, years ago, I wanted a boat and I didn't know what kind of boat. I just knew I wanted a boat. So I had created one of these online savings accounts at that particular time. It was one with Capital One, um, but there's other ones, American Express, Discover, um, Barclays. They all have one where I, you have to have the ones that name it because you're claiming it into the world. And I first had it as the sailboat fund, and I just started putting 10 bucks a month into it because I knew I was like, I needed to plant the seed. I needed to activate the seed because money is energy and we want to energize what we want to create. And eventually what it was is um, I had built up about $70,000 because every year I just kept increasing what I was putting in it. And then I went out and bought my boat. And and it was funny, it was a boat fund. Then it was a sailboat fund. And then I figured out I wanted a 34 foot Beneteau. You know, so like you <laughs> rename it as you get clearer on your dream. You know, and that could be vacation for you. Where do you want a vacation? Okay, Italy, great. Make it your Italy fund. You know, um, it's about finding your giggle again with your money as opposed to being victim of the system. Yes. You know, I read a great book called Unplugging the Patriarchy that talked about how the debt structures were created in the 1930s by um, the group who um, says that they're doing it to help the masses. But honestly, it's about controlling the masses. Debt instruments are about controlling the masses. And so if you wanna stay in control of your own life and have freedom, don't have tons of debt. Like get those shackles off to give you some of that freedom.
0: Yeah, yeah, right on. I I can relate to that a lot, Julie. There was a time when I had probably about $50,000 in just credit card debt, not including like other, other things and, it was one of those things that I kind of had to force myself to pay off because that was my normal being in debt, overspending. But I remember like it started to really weigh on me. There was always this looming sense of, yeah, a lack of of a lacking of freedom in my life. Like, uh, and and it took me like several, like pushing outside of what felt normal to pay it off. But once it, once I paid it off, and only then did I realize the true weight of it. And it Mm -hmm. was like one of the most rewarding It's like, you know, we buy money to feel a certain way. Paying off the debt made me feel better than buying anything I've ever bought in my life. Okay,
1: so here's my question, Victor. Yeah. What did you do the month after you no longer had that debt payment?
0: I got another zero interest credit card. No, just kidding. I did No, honestly, I don't remember. Um, I, I At that point, honestly, I started saving and stuff. I started realizing how much better I felt not buying every little impulse thing that popped in my body. And that stability, that, that sort of foundation felt better. The freedom felt better and brought more happiness than the next cool, shiny object that would-
1: So I would argue in. that you probably forgot yourself along the way there. And what I mean by that is, You did so great in getting that down. What every person I work with forgets is to reward themselves for good behavior. So for an example, I had one woman who had about the same amount of credit card debt. She was paying like $2,400 a month towards it. And then once she paid it all off, I said, okay, this first 2,400 bucks that you are not paying towards this debt, what are you going to do with it? And she did the same thing. She's like, well, I'm going to put in a savings account. I'm going to build a lot. I'm going I don't know too many people who get super excited about having the freedom of now 2400 bucks of being found and they want to now put it in the bank that is not that doesn't make most people giggle right. right you might geek out a little bit and it feels good but it's not it doesn't give you that giggle and so she goes i want to throw a party i go great what's the party about she goes freedom from debt party i go <laughs> i want you to throw the best 2400 party you've ever had. And then the month after that, we will then, I always tell people take a third of that, that new, I call it newfound money, take a third of it and just go piss it away every month. Like for an example, if you really want to go on better vacations, you want a better car spending goals that you have, then have that third. So if the $2,400 a month, is an example, take $800 a month and put it into that vacation fund. So you're going on kick, but vacations every year, right? Take 800 a month of it and put it into your wealth building goals. And then take the other 800 a month and say like, if you have a mortgage, like have that go to whatever other debt payments that you have. And if you have no other debt payments, then split it in half instead of thirds. Why? Because this is how we backdoor your subconscious limiting belief system that's been hardwired since you've been seven years old. And that way it interrupts the whole process of that. Wow. That, so that makes emotionally, sense. you feel safe. It's about creating a safety container for your subconscious mind. That's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, you know, that's the piece I miss because with all that said, but I said a few months later, I was sort of back to the I, I, that yeah, no longer satisfied. Right? I, right? I love that idea, Julie, um, of putting your money into things that excite you. And you told, you told me and Aaron that like, Aaron's really big into Bitcoin and, and stocks. And I like, I like the idea of, I wanna, I wanna own Airbnbs, like Airbnb properties yeah. all around the world. And he has no interest in that, but that's something that excites me. So is that right. something that you also sort of teach is like where you invest should also be kind of a passion as well? Right, kind of so, spin- you,
1: exactly. so you may not have, and this can be anybody watching, you may not have the money to go buy that first Airbnb property, right? But you open one of those savings accounts that says, maybe you've decided what that business is already. <laughs> and you have that money then go monthly into that savings account that says Airbnb business. Mm. And so you're, you're activating and energizing that dream that you want to create. And then it becomes more real because month after month, as you see that money, Percent for a purchase price of a three hundred thousand dollar place that I can have my first Airbnb, and I'm telling you, the time when you buy the first one, the second one comes faster, the third one comes faster than the second one. All of a sudden, you're like, five years have gone by, and you now have six, seven properties. You're going, I can't believe it started with a savings account. Wow, yeah. And it's so because that- you're activate, you're activating your heart is what you're doing. You're activating your giggle. The giggle is your heart. You're awakening your heart because we've plugged into this system of like. You, you graduate high school, you go get a job right away or you get in a bunch of student loan debt and you go get a college degree and then you start working for the man and you start like, you know, so many people have followed that path and I'm grateful for the pandemic because it's completely like interrupted that for so many people that they're now starting to look at a little differently. I think the big piece is, is that you also have to allow yourself to grieve what you've created thus far because mm-hmm. most people when they look at that, there's a lot of shame, blame, guilt, and judgment. And you cannot expand if you don't accept exactly the pile of crap you've created today. Yes. Right. I know that sounds brutal, but you know, for me, like my stuff acts out my relationship, as you know, you know, I got divorced a few years ago. And for me, that grieving process, when I had to look at going, oh, I co-created all of that. And, you know, I sobbed. I was like, I, you know, like why wasn't I more conscious? I do so great here in the career building, but in my personal relationship, it it did not work out well. And you know, but you just have to that acceptance piece. It's allowing yourself to be human. It's allowing you to process through going, yeah, you know, that's what I did. But here's in the now, I can't really change the past. But today, I can create a really great relationship with the ex husband and raise four beautiful babies and let them thrive in life. Okay, and and and. Stop telling the stories of what it was that you've already created, because then all it does is it brings it into your present moment, whether it's in your health or your relationships or your money. It's the same thing across the board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that you seem to have a real strong, you're a proponent of being respon- taking responsibility for, for the yeah. life you create as well. And I had to do the same thing. And I think a lot of people who like listen to this podcast can relate because you go through an awakening and sometimes you realize, wow, the entire... In- all of my life is completely had that has been created from someone I am not really like like a false self almost. And it can be like, it can feel like this. Like
1: you're this in drag.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it can feel overwhelming. Like I'm never gonna like you can be you can easily slip into victim mentality, or I'm going to just escape because it seems like a too big of a mountain to climb. But once you can accept it, and then grieve it and kind of like, you know, own it like this is my creation, I, but I did my best. And yeah. now I can right. make new choices. And I love, I love, I, I kind of think I know what you're saying with the start the account, start the account to get the momentum going. Anything we put our energy into, I found does expand, but we need to start with something, a seed. Yeah. Because, and and then it takes will, on a momentum that is like mind blowing to witness at times. And you people will always
1: it. say to me, well, Jewel, I'll start it when this happens. You know, when this happens is never coming. Yes, Like I, I don't even care if it's, every single person can take $1 a month and put it into an account, and I and you know, and it's funny like that just gives them hope. It's almost like a glimmer of light that it's hope that maybe I can have something different, even if it's a dollar a month. Right. I, there's something energetically about that. Here's the other thing I always love this one with people who, if you have challenges with debt, which millions of Americans do, and unfortunately we've taught that to the world, like China's in terrible debt these days, and but if you take A $100 bill, anyone who's got debt out there, I dare you to do this because you are gonna understand the vibration of money. Take a $100 bill and I want you to put it in your wallet. And under no circumstances are you to spend that $100 bill. Now you're gonna go somewhere and you're gonna have this $100 bill in there and you're like, oh God, I need some cash. You're gonna be like, just wanted to pull it out to use it. No, and I swear what happens is Benjamin Franklin is on a hundred dollar bill and Benjamin is going to be coming back 300 years later, talking to you, like, come on, get me out of your pocket. Ugh. Like you literally will have this internal battle. And the more you can let that just sit there and move through your emotions. Cause what that is that talking to Benjamin to you is your resistance to abundance. Mm-hmm. So you're blocking abundance. And by doing this one physical thing, it can open up your abundance. And you know what? Let's say you spend it, who cares? Go get another hundred bucks and put it back in there. And if the first time you lasted two weeks, well, the next time, I don't care if it's two weeks and three days. Keep getting back on the horse because what you're doing is you're actually expanding your vibration for abundance by just having Benjamin in your pocket in your wallet. It's crazy how good that that works. And I've had people do that for years I've even had people going, well, I took it out and I put it next to my bed. I'm like, get it back in your wallet (laughs) because I want it on you because you literally will have, you're moving through your resistance to abundance by having that hundred dollar bill there.
0: Really? So when you feel like the impulse to spend it and you stop yourself, that's kind of like your own resistance in a sense that you're, you're sort of like playing out with yourself in a safe way.
1: So you're allowing the emotions of whatever you're processing in that moment of what you want to spend it on, you're allowing those emotions to co up so that you can move through it as opposed to act it out to where it just transmutes into something else. Okay. I see. So you're sitting with whatever is needing to arise at that moment inside of you to open you up.
0: Okay. It's a good little trigger to... To Bring about the upheaval of all that. Okay. Fantastic. And and
1: here's the other thing. If you're married and you and your spouse are doing it, hold a safe container that the other spouse is not going to do it the way you did it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, and neither way is right or wrong. It's kind of like when I was talking to you and Aaron, right. Of how you want to plug into the world. And it's okay that when you're in like a business partnership, both sides need to be honored. And then how do you build the infrastructure to do that? And that's true in a marriage as well, because that's a partnership as well. Yeah. And we all come to the table in marriages with different programming from our childhoods, from the households we grew up in and how money was handled. And then you need to decide like, what is that, that you want to also then create for your children in what kind of container, mm. right? Yeah, and, and find some kind of common ground in, in the basis of what you're going to teach your children. Right. Right.
0: Right. Okay. Let me ask you this, like to what degree, like how much awareness do people need to really shed upon their upbringing and how that influences versus simply just changing your behavior, like making the account or is it probably a dance of both? I would imagine.
1: It is a dance of both. Yeah. And so we have to remember, you know, in Bruce Lipton's uh, work, you know, that, On a biological standpoint, our subconscious minds are fully developed by the time we're seven years old. So we all had some kind of trauma or rejection before age seven. And some of them are significant. And some of them, like I had one client, it was her grandmother smacking her on the hand. Like that was her rejection that hardwired into her that then became the basis of how she interfaced and reacted to the world from that point forward. And so we have to realize that if we don't go after that core wound that you talked about, right? So that rejection or trauma is the core wound, right? And so you go after the core wound as you're building, think of it like support systems, like the, the account and putting money into it. That's a support system to the new you. So you're kind of building your infrastructure while you're doing like the meditations and stuff like that to try to clear what the subconscious mind has been wiring you up to thus far. I and to get to that next place. So you want you really want to do them simultaneously. And that's why I say. When you fall off the horse, that's just your own limiting belief patterns that are coming up for the next layer for it to be healed. So don't judge yourself. Go, I'm an onion. That's the next layer, and it's just about to peel away. So and it's okay.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, that's funny you say that. I can relate. I had this situation when I was about seven, where Mm -hmm. I was in a swim class, and I remember like when we were all done, you know, the guy was like, "Okay, Victor, come on up," and he gave me this little card, and I was like, "Yeah." I felt like a badass because I was the first one (laughs) called up and then he said, and everybody else gets a plaque. So that implied I was the only one to fail. swim, Even though I could swim, it was bullshit. No, just kidding. But, uh, (laughs) but that little, that left a mark on me. And I started to identify with someone who's a failure. I'm a failure. I'm not as good as the other kids. Right. You're right. It wasn't like a huge deal, but emotionally it was to my seven-year-old self. And I, and I I've seen how that's played out in all areas of
1: my life from that day. Well, and me. it creates, the, that's your deserving button, right? It's like, yeah. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve. And then that's when you create credit card debt because you don't deserve to have a million bucks in the bank and, right. you know, right. to have financial freedom and be okay and create, you know, and and you'll watch. Like, as you start, I, always, I talk about this in both of my books that, And you actually, I laughed when I read your most recent blog that went out because it was about the crabs in the bucket. I talk about that all the time because when you you start to elevate yourself and start to create financial stability and however you choose to define it, those people around you, like you'll start to notice, like I'm a huge giver. So like when I was in my twenties, I had decided, okay, I'm going to spend 50 bucks tonight. And I would leave my credit cards at home and I'd bring a $50 bill. And when that $50 bill was gone, I didn't spend anymore because I was the chick at the bar buying the rounds for everybody. And so everybody loved going out with me because Julie just put her credit card down and we had a ton of fun, but it was like, wait, but I forgot about myself along the way. And because I was giving it away to everybody else. So when you decide to start changing and reorganize your priorities that are true for you today, all of a sudden people are going to try to pull you back into your old pattern because they liked the way you were showing up in the world for them. Yes. And it's about the fact that it's okay that you're not showing up. I mean, that happened in my marriage. Like I was, I had a near death experience giving birth to my fourth child and I couldn't plug into the world the same way anymore. And I realized at that time, my ex and I had almost more of a mother son relationship. I was the second oldest of 12 kids and he was the baby of four. And it was like, oh, in our process, we can either grow together in a partnership or you know, we were just gonna grow apart and, and we grew apart. And, but we have to understand that all of that's okay. And I could see that as he was hiring teams of attorneys and all this stuff coming at me going, oh, he was trying to pull me back you know, I can't even believe he's like, okay, are you done with this stuff? Are you ready to just get married again? I'm like, no, we already signed the divorce papers. Like, because yeah. those, and that's an extreme example. But when you start to spend differently and you start to go after your dreams, people are going, oh, so you're doing this again, huh? Yeah. You know, and you're just like, yes, I am. As opposed to, you know, probably your whatever guilt and shame and judgment you have buried inside of you will start to rise to the surface. And again, the only way through this is to feel those feelings that you have buried inside your body, because if we don't, all those things do is crystallize our emotions, crystallize inside of our body that then eventually creates disease. So I'll tell people all the time, you know, when I work one-on-one with people, you know, they have financial abundance, but they have broken families or they have, you know, dysfunctional careers. Like, it's really interesting on how other parts of their life broke down because the almighty dollar was the center focus for everything. And, you know, anyone who doesn't have money thinks once they get money, it'll all be solved. Those who have money get all the money and then they go, I'm not happy. So it's about how do we weave in that happiness all along the way? And that's about really tapping into your heart. You know, one of my mentors always says, start with your heart and then add your smarts. Mm. And, um, in our society, we think that the mind and the ego is the first and foremost. And then, Oh, by the way, maybe I can bring my heart along with me. You know, we, that's not even part of the conversation in most aspects, right. To bring our hearts along with us. And it's like, no, no, no. It has to be all about the dream and the heart's desires and what makes you giggle. And, you know, even my son, my six-year-old, he said to me, the one I did, He goes, mom, we get home tonight, which is going to be like 930 at night. He goes, it would really make me giggle to watch, you know, the Avengers. And I was like, kiddo, it's 10 o'clock at night. He goes, but it's going to make me giggle. And I was like, (laughs) fair enough. And you have kids, you know, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he wasn't even awake two minutes because I really want them to follow their giggle. So I'm trying to get them to, you know, like, don't go to that sport because it's a job to you go into this activity because you giggle and you geek out about it. Yes. Because that will bring more abundance to you. Yeah.
0: And happiness. It's, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I want I want to go back to briefly what you said about when you start to succeed, and it doesn't even mean always financially, just when you start to change at a deep level as a human being, it can be it can be sometimes like a messy breakup with, with, a, with a spouse or yeah. a friend. Right. And it and, and, and you know, I went that through went, that kind of recently. And it brought it brought brings it, up a lot of guilt. Like, man, should I? Should I have done things differently? Um, But but I've learned, I've been this many times, like I can't resist who I am. I have to kind of be myself. There's no happiness. There's no, it's like you're going to create misery by denying who you are. And then it's like other people's choices, whether they want to grow with you, as you said, or not. And there's no right or wrong, but I've learned there's no, there's no way to long-term resist who you are anyways. And I love the way you mentioned like the opportunity that presents itself. When this happens. it can be very stressful, a divorce, I'm sure, Sure, especially especially for you, you, Julie, Julie. but it's an opportunity to go through so much more growth actually of your own stuff. And, and then you eventually are are free and and it can go on.
1: Yeah. It's years ago, you know, as you're building your business and you're oh you're telling the universe you want more of that don't do that and so all along the way i have never ever worked with anybody that i don't like them as a person because they'll be like a servicing nightmare or like or something else will be a disconnect and um i i was even just tested a few months ago with exactly this i had this um one client who just really she just wasn't willing to see she's at the in your fifties, like your body is going to break down and disease is going to come on with a vengeance, uh, in your fifties, if you don't actually start to align your heart and soul. And, um, and she had decided to let me know that she was thinking of trying to find another advisor because she thinks I spend too much time in that and not on the numbers of how to portfolio efficient her assets. And I was like, you know, portfolio optimization is absolutely important. You absolutely should do that but you can't forget about yourself along the way. And um, she just wanted to talk me, talk to me about it and all this. I said, you know what, um, I, I can appreciate where you're at. Um, I think it's okay, yeah, I think you're right. It's time for us to diverge and um, how can me and my team get you to exactly where it is that you want to be. Um, but I'm no longer willing to have a conversation about that because you know what, the older I get, the only thing we really have is time. Right. And, yeah. and I'm not going to spend the time to try to convince somebody to get it. You know, we go to these spiritual retreats and you know, they always tell you at the end, like now you're going to go home and you're going to want to bring everyone with you. Cause you have this profound sense of new, you know, in your world and they're not going to understand. Yeah. And you can't pull them with you. And the more we listen to just be you and go inside and then everything else around you will vibrationally shift. It's so true because um, time and time again, you know, I learned recently that, because I would wonder like, why do I provoke people everywhere I go, whether it's my siblings, my ex-husband, like, because their emotional projections will come out. And I'm like, for years, I would take that on like, well, what can I do? What can I change? And I realized it's just my light in my vibration That actually forces other people's dark shit that they have buried to come up just by me standing in the room and I don't even need to say anything. And I'm like going, oh, this is fascinating. So I was like, I'm gonna test this out. So I went out with a bunch of friends and I was like, literally, no matter who I went to talk to, and and I was watching how me just walking up there, because as you know, uh Billy and I have been on this huge journey of following our spiritual paths. And so during the pandemic, we've been expanding our light and (laughs) So now we just go places and we just provoke the airplane that we were on yesterday. Oh my goodness. And we just giggle because we can now see it that it's just our presence Mm -hmm. makes people's stuff. If they're not shining the light on their own stuff, us just being by them shines the light on their stuff. And you kind of go, Oh, now I can see how this is all oneness and how it's connected to money and how it's connected to our health and how it's, you know, so when you can really be in that state of the observer and not react to other people's projections or your lack of showing up in the world the way they want you to show up as opposed to how you want to show up for yourself, all of a sudden the suffering pattern stops because you start to see it from a higher level.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I even look at it as a, as a positive thing, even though oh. it, can be, it can be maybe sometimes inconvenient to endure as the, the light bearer, but yeah. it's like, it's a good thing. And then you know, some yeah. people, I've had people trigger me and it's like, it doesn't feel good at the time, but I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll look at myself and say, Okay, what, what, what does that represent? Where's this coming from? And then I can use as a catalyst to grow. Not everyone obviously does that. But it's not even a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing. And I like that you said the idea is to be detached be yourself, and just sort of trust the, the divine, the, you know, the divine intelligence and to, to play out in the way it's going to and you just right. all we can do is be ourselves really.
1: Well, and, and speak of like the money piece. So like if you have a spouse or a sibling or somebody that triggers you on the financial front, and this goes for any trigger, whether it's finances or not, you have to really truly understand that that trigger means that something needs to shift in you. Yes. It's not something that needs to shift in the other person. So if you're triggered by the spending of your spouse on some level, you're not accepting who they are at their core. Ah. Oh. So there's an, that's the acceptance piece. You're not allowing them to be who you, who they are. You're have some kind of expectation that they're showing up in a certain way, the way you want them to show up, but not who they authentically are. So this is how you can increase your awareness of how you're actually participating in the reality of, you know, there's a lot of wives that I've watched out there that hide credit cards from their spouses and it's because they're afraid to tell their husband that they created $10,000 of credit card debt that they have no idea about. Oh wow. And it, it my office kind of we we joke around we call them the liar wives because they because those women are not choosing to approach their money from an empowered place. They're choosing to be a victim of whatever boundaries that that, that he has set in their marriage that she's chose to actually abide by on some level and it's not his or her fault it's how they've done the dance based on their own subconscious traumas that were from before they were seven years old and so if you can start to uncover these things and shine the light well then all of a sudden because neither party ever wants to participate like that they just don't know how to get out of their stuff right they don't know how to unpack it and so the start of unpacking it is just shining the light going well, do you really want to have this stuff in the shadow, this credit card debt that he doesn't know about? Or do you want to just be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to tell him about it. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. just let it, let it heal. Let it open up the wound so it can heal as opposed to getting worse and worse and worse.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it makes total sense, Julie. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you, you've said so much and, and given us so much amazing information. <laughs> if you were to summarize like your advice, for anybody with their finances and how they can improve them using their higher consciousness, what would it be?
1: Well, the first step to improving, um, really understanding that with your heart being at the forefront, okay. Clean up your past while living in the present moment and playing, plan for the future all at the same time. Because if you only took your cash flow today to fix your past, all you're ever going to do is recreate your past. Yeah. So that's where I was talking about, like have some of it go to clean up your past, some of it to live today and some of it to plant the seeds for your future. Because if you do all of that, you're going to break all of your cycles because it's about just creating a system that is safe and one that creates this container to foster the tomorrow that you really want to have in your life. And, And it takes time. Allow yourself. I always talk about that you're on a bridge. And if you just see yourself your dreams are over here. Your reality is here. Give yourself the space to walk across the bridge and your heart has got to be the thing that leads every ounce of it.
0: Yeah, and what I found really great advice, thank you. It's like a multidimensional sort of approach to this. But mm-hmm. I found that um, just starting to walk the bridge can bring about a, a great deal of happiness because now you're finally like, in, like realigned with who you are. And yep. you, as you're navigating away, it's almost like when you get to the end of the bridge, it's cool, but just you can have that same feeling of alignment and wholeness yep. just taking that journey.
1: Yep, cool. so true. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Thank and you. you. Can so learn. Julie, where could people find you? And I know you mentioned, I know you have a book that you wanted to recommend for people yeah. that can really go a lot deeper in yes, all of Yes, my this. book,
1: Awaken Your Wealth. Yes. Um, we're giving it away for free because uh, part of my mission is that I want to help financially heal the globe. And uh so all you have to do is pay for your shipping if you go to awakenyourwealthbook.com um that will get you all that you have to do is pay for your shipping and we'll give you the book for free. Um awesome. and by all means if you we have 21 day challenges, we've got um other I have a webinar that's coming out and some group coaching uh, on a financial front to help people to get to a life that they really love.
0: Awesome. And what was that website again for all that Julie?
1: Julie, uh my facebook to walk the path
0: yeah, right, right, on. right thank, on. Thank you, Julie. Some of that cut out towards the end, but what I'm going to do is get those links from, from you and put them in the description. Will do. The internet or something. But Julie, I just want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're, you're a busy woman. You got the four thank kids. You. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I had a great, I had great time learning from you and connecting thank with you. you. And I'll see you in a couple of months in Costa Rica.
1: I know. I can't wait. Super fun.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thanks, All right. Peace, sir. everybody. Yep. Cool. Awesome, Julie. Well, that went very well. Thank you so much.
1: Was that what you envisioned? I, I kind of went
0: in open-ended, honestly. It was better than I envisioned. I, all I had to go off was kind of like what we talked about a few times. And I read a lot, some of your book as well. Um, but really, you're a great speaker and you carried yourself well. And you, you offered a lot of really good information, not just for them, but for me as well. I was like, holy cow. They're like, some of the things you said, I'm going to get on. I'm going to make my Hawaii fund. Today.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you know, if you ever want to bounce anything off me, just send me an email or text, right?
0: Yeah, and likewise, I mean, thank th- yeah, thank you. And likewise sure. to you, anything you want, you know, you or Billy. I know Billy sometimes feels like bad reaching out to me, but I always say, man, <laughs> he doesn't uh, want I love to bother you, bro, people, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he wants to be respectful of people's time. He's like, you know, because he sees like when we go to the things, how people like are like flies on you and Aaron. And it's like, yeah. woo. And he's like, I don't want to be that to them. Like,
0: <laughs> No, I get it. I get it. And it's cool that he sees yeah.
1: that. Uh, Aw, good awesome. stuff.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: give your bride a kiss for me. I will. All right. You take care, Julie. We'll see you okay. soon. Much Sounds love. good. All right. Bye. Yeah.